Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We are just so excited to be participating in what God is doing on His own calendar. We've just passed Yom Kippur, and we're getting into Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, and we have gotten a download about mysteries of the atonement in Yom Kippur that we want to share with you. So glad you're with us today. We always enjoy hearing from you, and if you would like to write to us and give us some feedback, our email address is feedback at globaloutpouring.org. And of course, that means that our website is globaloutpouring.org, and there's wonderful things out there for you to connect with, with us. You can look at our bookstore. We've got all kinds of anointed books and other kinds of things as well, recordings and so on. And we have our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. You can reach them from there and uh, blogs and all kinds of wonderful things. You can also subscribe to our email on the green button that's on our website, globaloutpouring.org. And we hope that you'll get a little closer to us. We would just love to be able to connect with you in a deeper way. Amen. So as we were getting ready for Yom Kippur, let me just start out by saying this. Philip and I are Gentiles, but we've been grafted in to the body of Messiah. In case you don't know, the word Christ means anointed one, and that comes from the Greek. The word Messiah comes from the Hebrew, and it means anointed one. <laughs> so if you want to say, um, in, really say in English, Jesus Christ, you would say Jesus the anointed one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, or, or you could say Yeshua HaMashiach in uh-huh. Hebrew, or you could say, I don't not really know how to say it in Greek, but Christ comes, Christos, I think, comes from the Greek. I mean, the, the word Christ comes from the Greek Christos. So we want to make sure that we're understanding that, you know, it's really all about the anointed one. He is the anointed one. And he's the one who did everything for us. So Jesus did everything for us. And as we were approaching Yom Kippur, as I started to say, I, I want you to understand that Philip and I see ourselves as grafted into the body of the Messiah, the, the anointed one, but we don't see ourselves as, um, how shall I say it delicately? I don't want to offend anybody, but we're not trying to be Jewish wannabes. And it's important for us to recognize that God has his feasts that he speaks about in the scripture. And Orthodox Judaism has come up with a whole lot of other traditions that are beautiful. A lot of them have really beautiful roots, but it doesn't mean that we have to observe all of those things as Gentiles if we are simply trying to observe what the Lord's feasts are all about. So as we were getting ready to uh, observe Yom Kippur, we were planning to fast on that day, and um, but not necessarily, I mean, it's, it's not the fast 
that has to do with knowing that you've been your sins have been forgiven. It's a fast that we were engaging in prayer and intercession for the Jewish people to have a a, a revelation of Yeshua as yes. their Messiah. Uh-huh. As we were getting ready for this, I just clicked on something on YouTube that came up in my feed. You know how that is on YouTube, that it suggests things to you. And I like to listen to the things that are out there on the One for Israel channel, One for Israel ministry. I really like their stuff, and they have a lot of wonderful, wonderful testimonies of people that have come to know Messiah, Jewish people that are that are now what you would call Messianic believers. We would say Christians, but the word Christian has gotten a bad connotation mm-hmm. to the Jewish people because of the horrible things that have been done by Christians to them actually, in the name was, of Christ. Actually, it was derogatory, actually, yeah. when, that, when that came out. They were first called Christians at yeah. Antioch. Yeah, you know? and, and it wasn't a nice name. But the idea no. is that, that these Jewish people have had a wonderful revelation of who Yeshua is as Messiah, as everything, and they've gotten the revelation. So I was listening to their podcast that was called Prophecy Uncovered, Yom Kippur Judgment Day. Uh, I will put a, a link to it in the show notes that are on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you're listening to us on another platform, you can go to Charisma Podcast Network and and find us there, and you'll find all these things that I'm promising that I'm going to put in the notes. <laughs> so uh, the takeaway that I got from that, there was lots of good material in it, but the takeaway that I got that sent me on a mission, sent me on a, a, a search in my yeah. Bible, I heard them talking about how on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is a holiday that's different from like Passover and, and Shavuot, which is uh, Pentecost, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Those are holidays where everybody goes up to Jerusalem and mm-hmm. you bring first fruits and you bring things that God has given you and you bring your offerings and so on. But Yom Kippur is a holiday where you stay home and you fast and your high priest mm-hmm. does the work. And that just went off inside of me like like a, an alarm clock, like, oh, oh, I get it. <laughs> of course, I got it anyway before, but it was like a whole new thing, like, I want to go and study the book of Hebrews. And I enjoy when the light bulb goes off in you. It's all these reactions when you're <laughs> finding things. Yeah, I was just about dancing on this one. And I spent hours studying the, the book of Hebrews, listening to it, and and reading it and stopping and making notes and going to uh, cross-references and just really having a time, going on bunny trails and all, all kinds of revelation was coming to me. I felt like I was trying to drink from a fire hydrant. <laughs> so Hebrews was really written... For the, for the Hebrews, for, yes. the, for the Jewish people. Absolutely it was. And I'm not sure that Paul was or wasn't the author of it. There's a big controversy in the body. We'll find out when we get to heaven. It really yeah. doesn't matter. We just know that there's really some amazing information there. But the difference is that the book of Hebrews was written to people who already knew 
the things of the Old Testament and all of the other ones, all, rather all of the all of Paul's writings mm-hmm. were written to Greeks. They were written to people who who didn't understand the background of the things of the Hebrews. So I remember the first time that I was trying to study the book of Hebrews. It was like it was like Greek to me. <laughs> I did not get it. It was so much of it was over my head because I didn't know the whole uh, Old Testament like I needed to in order to understand it. Yeah. And the book of Hebrews quotes so much from the Old Testament and and it assumes that you know these things. <laughs> so if you're if you're a reader of the Psalms and if you're a reader of the Torah, you know, the first 5 books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, you will you will understand the book of Hebrews. But if you mm-hmm. are not familiar with those things, the book of Hebrews is going to be a big mystery to you. So um, I'm not going to try and teach the book of Hebrews today. If you want to learn it, you need to go and read the book of Psalms first, and you need to go and read the, those other books. Um, but but you'll understand a few things as we go into this, that Jesus did everything that we needed him to do. He is our high priest. That's what you see in the book of Hebrews. You see that Jesus is our high priest, and he's different from the high priest that came out of the order of Aaron, the original high priest. And um, Jesus came after the order of Melchizedek or Melchizedek, which, which means king of righteousness, who is also the king of Salem, which means king of peace. You'll find that in the book of Hebrews. He steps up to be all of that. And I just want to focus on Hebrews 2 verse 9 that says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. How does that read in the Passion Translation, Philip? But we see Jesus, who as a man, lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. For now he towers above all creation, for all things exist through him and for him, and that God made him pioneer of our salvation, perfect through his sufferings, for this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. I think I got an extra verse there that I didn't read before, but that's okay. You get the idea. But the whole point is that he tasted death for all of us. Yes. And if you remember, we had Dean Braxton with us on, uh, we've had him on four podcasts, number 47 and 48, and number 65 and 66. He shared some of his experiences in heaven when he died for an hour and 45 minutes. His was one of the best documented instances of uh, a, an actual death and coming back from death. Yeah not a near-death experience. His doctor said that he was really, really, really dead, really dead. <laughs> for a long time. And, but he, te- he tells us that the first thing that he saw, he saw Jesus in his glorified state, just a lot like John described in the book of Revelation chapter 1, where you know he, he just had the fiery mm. eyes and his feet like... Uh, Dean expressed it as metals before he read that description in in revelation Mm. but 
just uh, an amazing, amazing experience of seeing that glorified Jesus. But he, he also saw the Jesus that sacrificed himself on that Passover day as they were killing lambs on the Temple Mount just a few hundred yards away. Hmm. At the same time, wow. they, were doing this, they were doing that at the same time he was being nailed to the cross. Wow. And at one time, that was one mountain. Mm-hmm. When King Solomon went to build the temple, he had them quarry out part of the mountain yes, okay. and bring those stones up to build the temple. Yeah. Well, just beyond that, just beyond that quarry, would, or even part of the quarry, would be where they were doing the executions at that time. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was actually on the remains of the Temple Mount, being wow. sacrificed as the Passover lamb. And he was not only sacrificed as the Passover lamb, but he was also sacrificed as the Passover goat. You know, I always got confused about why do we call Jesus our atonement if he wasn't killed on the day of of atonement on Yom Kippur? I pondered over that for years. And then I discovered in reading my Bible, I hope you're reading Mm -hmm. your Bible a lot. I I discovered that there was a, a Passover atonement goat that was killed for an atonement. Uh, it's in Numbers twenty-eight, twenty-two. It says there was one goat for a sin offering to make an atonement for you. So mm-hmm. Jesus was not only the Passover lamb who dealt with that Passover death, that death that came, you remember uh, on the Passover, the original first Passover, they were to kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. Making the shape of a cross, if you can picture that, you know, there was a spot of red on the top and a spot on each side. It's making the form of the cross. That's what Jesus was. He's, he's the Passover lamb. So that blood kept the death angel from coming in. Mm-hmm. And when, when Dean saw Jesus, he saw him marred. He saw him beaten. He saw him him uh, just like um, Isaiah fifty two fourteen and fifteen says, his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. He was just beaten. Dean says he was almost unrecognizable as wow. a human. And I remember him saying that that when his heart would beat, the blood would come out like a mist out yeah. of parts of his body. Yeah, you know, it was just a mist of blood. So it, it was. It was like they made, uh, that's down to the arteries. Yeah, the arter the arteries oh. must have been pierced, just, just right. Just right. Yeah. Just right, so that it would spray. And and if you if you continue reading, there in Isaiah fifty two verse fifteen, it says, "So shall he sprinkle many nations; the kings shall shut their mouths at him." But let's just talk about this kings for just a second. Uh, I want to just take a quick bunny trail because I think it's very significant. The word kings there is the word uh, in Hebrew. It's Strong's number, if you know your Strong's concordance. Strong's number 4428. And it's the word melech. If you're familiar at all with with Hebrew, you know, you have melech David, David the king, Hmm. King David. Uh, uh, David melech, I think they call him. So, it, it, but it doesn't only mean king. It also can be translated a ruler, a prince, a god, a false god, mm-hmm. an idol king. 
Selah. Pause and think yeah. about that. So when you talk about he shall sprinkle many nations, the kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. And the same word king is used in Isaiah 14 to talk about the king of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and it's, it spells it out in there that it's Lucifer. Yeah. And, and the word Lucifer means the son of the morning. It comes from the Hebrew word Hillel, which means son of the morning. So Lucifer and Hillel mean the same thing. You could, you could just say son of the morning in English, and, and it would be either Lucifer or Hillel. I think Lucifer comes out of the Latin, perhaps. But anyway, it means to shine. It comes uh, as Lucifer, day star, morning star. Strong says that that word comes from his number 1984, halal, which means to shine or to make a show, to boast, and thus be clamorously foolish, or to rave. So we've studied this word in terms of our worship as it pertains to the word hallelujah. hallelujah. Hallel, okay, yeah. hallel. Uh-huh. We should be clamorously foolish and rave, boasting on our awesome, sovereign Jehovah, who is worthy of such praise. Yes. But in this case, we're talking about the prince of Babylon. It's a spirit. Perhaps it's Lucifer, but it's a spiritual entity in any case. And I just ponder that maybe the Holy Spirit's intent in calling it Hillel might be better interpreted, you foolish raving boaster. Because he was boasting about all these things that he's going to do. He's going to do, yeah. But that, that's another bunny trail that we won't go any further down that one. Um, we might take that up on another podcast. So another king that's mentioned using the same word melech is in Ezekiel 28, talking about the king of Tyre. And scholars also connect that to the devil. So I I just want to make the point that the kings shall shut their mouths at him. They're going to shut their mouths because, um, well, you you see it in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 6 through 8. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, meaning mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, naught, come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, when when Jesus was being crucified, their mouths were standing open like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't think we should have done this. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, and sure enough, you know, they took Jesus to hell. They thought they were winning. They took him, took him down into hell, and he stayed there for three days in their captivity. But then there was that hidden mystery. I, I loved what Maurice Sklar shared with us on podcast um, 44 and 45. He talked about his experience in the court of heaven where Jesus brought forth some evidence of a, there was a scroll that he brought forth that was one of these hidden mysteries that the devil knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that God has planned that the devil knows nothing about. But we are here carrying the banner of what Jesus did and his blood. You see, it's all about his blood and his blood sprinkled. And, And if you look at this word sprinkled, this word for sprinkled 
is Strong's number uh, from the Hebrew, 5137, Nazah, to spurt or to spatter or to sprinkle. So you see that thing that Dean saw. Yeah. When... It, it, he, he saw the, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And it's the same word that's used to describe in, in Exodus 29, 29 verse 21 and Leviticus 8, where the sprinkling of the blood and the anointing oil on Aaron and his sons to consecrate them as priests. That's that yeah. same word sprinkle. Mm-hmm. And here's in uh, Leviticus 4, 6, that same word for sprinkle is used of the sprinkling of the blood for the sin of ig- ignorance. And in, in another place, it's the same for a trespass offering and this sprinkling on a cleansing of a leper. And then on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, yeah. the high priest sprinkled the blood of the sin offering onto the mercy seat. Now, the sin offering, there was a bullock that he, that he presented for himself and his family and a goat for the nation. So there's that goat again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just any goat. It's a male goat. It's a mm-hmm. billy goat. Billy goat, uh-huh. Now, we used to raise goats around here. You remember that, Philip? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we didn't keep a billy goat. We borrowed a billy goat when it was time to breed the, the, the nannies so that we could have more babies and so we could have more goat milk. But they say that you should not keep a billy goat around your females because it'll make the milk stink because they stink so badly. Hmm. It's a it's a stink. Think about how sin stinks in the nostrils of our father. Sin hmm. stinks. Yeah. So a goat that stinks is what's sacrificed. Isn't that amazing? That's really amazing. But Jesus became that atonement goat mm-hmm. for the Passover atonement. And a little side note, too. I don't know where this is at uh, in history, where it talks about, you know, the year that, that Jesus was crucified. Oh, yes. You know, the, the, the high priest lays his hands on the second goat. Yes, the scapegoat. The scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And they release that into the wilderness. Yes, yes. And it's supposed to... They, they tie a red, a scarlet, uh, some kind of scarlet cloth around uh-huh. his horns. And, and they can tell if the um, sacrifice was accepted because that scarlet piece of cloth will turn white. Turn white, yeah. But it wasn't white. It was still red. Now, that's in history somewhere. Yes, I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. I'll find oh. it. I found it before on the internet and I'll find it again. <laughs> but I'll put it in the show notes. So you have this goat that is sacrificed and you have Jesus being sacrificed as the Passover goat and his death causes the devil's power to disappear. Jesus, remember, Jesus tasted death for all of mm-hmm. us. So, oh, I wanted to say one more thing about the, the goat. So the, the word for goat is sa'ir and it definitely means a male goat. But it comes from a root word, sa'ar. I won't go into all the details about what sa'ar can mean, but one of the meanings is to storm away. And it's referring to God's action against the wicked. So God's wrath is poured out on the goat, in essence. Mm. So Mm -hmm. Jesus bore all the wrath of God for us. He tasted death for every man. And when Dean Braxton died he when he came back he talked about people asking him all the time well what's it like to die and he says i i don't know i wasn't there 
he says that Jesus tasted death for every man. So he said, I, I left my body and then my body died. That's beautiful. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. We don't have to taste the bitterness of death. Well, death, where's thy sting? Exactly. Grave, yeah. where's your victory? Yeah. It's really not there for us. And you hear other testimonies of people who have had these experiences where they may have died and come back, or maybe they, someone saw a vision of someone who passed away, but, but they, their spirit left, and then their body died. Mm-hmm. That's what death is for us who are believers. And so we just encourage you, if you're not a believer yet, talk to Jesus right now yes. and welcome him into your life. Accept the sacrifice that he made for you so that he took your death on him. He took your suffering on him. He became sin for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Since therefore... These, his children, share in flesh and blood in the physical nature of human beings. He himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature. That by going through death, he might bring to naught or bring to nothing and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. Now, I've kind of mixed the Amplified uh, Classic with the Amplified Regular. But he made death powerless, ineffective, impotent. And he dealt with the power of the devil, that fear that, that keeps people in bondage, in slavery, throughout their lives, the whole course of their lives. What does the, the Passion say, Philip? Since all his children have flesh and blood, So Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. Yeah, it's the bondage that comes from the fear of death. But if Jesus paid the price if jesus bore our death we mm-hmm. don't have to fear it when i was uh, backslidden there were times i was going to get in my car you know i, I was in, i lived in chicago southwest suburbs and i had friends in the northwest part of chicago i was getting out to my car to go and the thought hit me if i die if i get an accident die out there i know where i'm going and i knew it wasn't heaven mm-hmm. and i wouldn't go yeah. It happened different times. Fear of death. Fear of death. And that was, I believe the Holy Spirit was saving me out of something. Yes, absolutely. So if you're, if you're not saved, you really need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because that Holy Spirit can lead and guide you every day of your life. That's true. That's true. Wow. And Jesus became sin for us. He actually became sin. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we talked about it recently about the importance of forgiveness and how this lady who went to hell on a visit, thank God she didn't stay there, (laughs) but she said she became her sin. And Jesus became all of our sin for us. Hmm. That's why he was beaten so badly because he took it for everybody. He took it for everybody. John 3 verses 14 to 16 where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. 
Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus did this because of God's great love for us to give us what we needed. We needed a Savior. Mm-hmm. And in John yes. twelve thirty two, he says, and I'm reading from Amplified Classic, and I, if and when I am li- lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw and attract all men, Gentiles as well as Jews, to myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's the love of Christ that compels us, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 6, Now God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, a man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all. That's it. He yes. did it for all of us, the entire creation. He, he paid the price for everyone, so, everyone. So we see Jesus as the lamb that was slain. Yes, and the goat. <laughs> uh, yes, and we see Jesus as the high priest all through the book of Hebrews. Yes. And we see Jesus as the mercy seat. Yeah, we see Jesus shed his blood, and then in he- the book of Hebrews, it explains how he presented his blood. Remember how uh, when when the crucifixion happened, and he, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, there was an earthquake, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. It yeah. opened up the Holy of Holies. So Did Jesus go it. right there, right then, <laughs> and present his blood? Wow. Maybe. There, there's another theory. Um, there was an amateur archaeologist that found the Ark of the Covenant underneath the place where we see uh, Calvary at near the Garden Tomb, uh, and he, he declared that there was a crack in the rock that allowed the blood that Jesus shed to actually go down on the mercy seat right there and then. Wow. I remember our founder, uh, Sister Gwen saying, you can see the measurements for the, um, there is no oh, measurements oh, 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 yeah, yeah. for the altar. For the mercy seat. For the, there's no measurements for the mercy seat. Okay. Seat. So um, that is in Exodus. thought that's good to throw that, that in there. It's mm, very good. Uh, when, when it talks about the mercy seat, in Exodus twenty five seventeen, it says, Make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length of it, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of it. But it doesn't tell you how thick it is, mm-hmm. how deep it is, because the mercy is as deep as you need it to be. Yes. Hallelujah. That's Hallelujah. what Sister Gwen said. Yeah. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the mercy seat as well, and we can see that in 1 John 2, 2, it says, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the whole world. And I, all my life for many, many years, I said, what is propitiation? Mm-hmm. And 
I'd look it up in the Webster's. dictionary, <laughs> and you know, it, it didn't help. It didn't. It didn't help me understand what is propitiation. But when I learned Spanish, I learned that the word for mercy seat is el propiciatorio. The mercy seat is the is the place of propitiation. So I understood that propitiation has everything to do with mercy. Hmm. And if Beautiful. you if you look at um, if you look at the same verse, First John two two in the Passion, what does that say? He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the footnote on that, where it says the atoning sacrifice, it says or satisfaction for our sins or mercy, mercy seat. seat. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. That yes, the mercy is. seat is the place where the sin is atoned for. It deals with God's wrath. God's mm-hmm. wrath is satisfied. There's nothing left because God's wrath is against sin. It's not against people. He's trying to get people into to heaven. heaven. Yes. So yeah. he, he so loves the world that he gave his only begotten yeah. son so that we could get to heaven. And that's what this was all about, that he would be the satisfaction for our sins, that Jesus would be the lamb, he would be the high priest, and he would be the mercy seat too. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And on the Day of Atonement, when the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he had the all those things that we talked about before, he had the blood of the bullock, and he had the blood of the, the goat, and he put his hands on the scapegoat and all those things. Before he could go in there, he had to fill the place with incense. Mm-hmm. So he would take fire from off of the altar, and I'm, I'm in Leviticus 16, and he would take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar, verse 12, before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small and bring it within the veil. Now, it's interesting that the word hands is uh, the Hebrew word yod. And we have the word yada to mean praise or thanksgiving that comes from the word yad, which means hands. And the tribe of Judah, the son Judah, son of Jacob Judah, was named by his mother Leah Yehuda, which also comes from praise, which comes from hands. Okay, mm-hmm. So yeah. the word praise can also mean to throw. So I'm imagining that that spray that was coming from Jesus' hands was, uh, or that that the spray that was coming from Jesus that that Dean saw, at least some of it was coming from his hands and it was being thrown. Hmm. It was being thrown to our Father. It was being thrown to sprinkle the children of Israel and to sprinkle the Gentiles and to sprinkle all of us to set us free from our sins and to consecrate us to himself to be priests before him. Hmm. Yes. We're called to be kings and priests. But the high priest had to take had to take the sweet incense and bring it inside the veil. If you go to Jerusalem to the Temple Mount Institute, you can get pictures there that show what the the artist's conception of what the high priest did. Th- that this censer that it, you know, we imagine a censer like the kind that they, they swing, swing, you know. Uh-huh. But this censer was like a shovel, a flat shovel that was meant to stay flat on the floor with a handle to push it with. And, and the high priest would take coals and put it on that shovel. And then he would take his hands full of the incense. And incense 
is also a picture of praise and thanksgiving. And the high priest would would put this incense on the coals and mm-hmm. shove it underneath the veil uh-huh. so that the Holy of Holies would be filled, filled with, with, with the incense so that he wouldn't die. So that's how important it is for us to walk in praise no matter what's going on. Oh. Even even before we get into intercession, as we're as we're contending, see this is this is part of what we do. We are contending for this outpouring. Yes, we are contending to get people equipped so that they'll be ready to help and engage in this outpouring, because that's what God wants to do. We are on the verge of the most amazing outpouring, and this particular Yom Kippur is very special. Also, Charlie Shamp. Uh, a, a, an amazing prophetic guy. He he went to Korea in 2019, and he went to visit Dr. David Yonggi Cho. Dr. Cho allowed him to go into his private intercession room and stay there and just before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to, to Charlie Shamp and told him that when David Yonggi Cho was taken home to be with the Lord, that a mantle of intercession was going to come on America. Hmm. And it was going to fall in three particular mountain places. Now, if you are not from America and you're listening to this, that just because you're listening to it, you can also grab a hold of it and take it for you and take it for your nation because it's also available to you. You can intercede, you can contend for the outpouring in your nation, and we're interceding for all the nations. Because that's what yeah. that's what happened when Jesus was on the cross. Remember what we read at the very beginning in Isaiah 52. It says, he shall sprinkle many nations. Yeah. So that sprinkling that came from here is from him is for the nations. And when Charlie Shamp had this revelation, he, he saw that a, a new mantle of intercession that David Yonggi Cho has carried for decades would be poured out on America in three specific places. He saw it three mountainous places. He saw it in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and the Ozarks of southern Missouri, northern Arkansas, which is where we live. So you're also a, being able to grab a hold of it from this podcast. Yeah. If you're listening to us, you can grab a hold of it because it's coming on us as well. And also in northern California in Redding, where, where Bethel is, that this mantle of intercession would come. Well, he just passed away a few days ago. Yes. And so just come with expectation that God is going to give you a new mantle of intercession. Ask him for it. Receive it from him. Father, we ask for it and we receive it from you because we want to see you pour out your spirit on all flesh flesh. and, and give us this ministry of reconciliation. And from 1 Corinthians 2, 18 to 21, All things are of you, Lord. You have reconciled us to yourself through Jesus Christ. You have given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself because he so loved the world. Yes. Not imputing their trespasses to him. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. We have this ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Verse 20. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is what engaging in the outpouring is all about, carrying this message of being reconciled to God. God wants you to know him. Hallelujah. Yes. 
For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And as, as Peter talks about, to be partakers of the divine nature, we can be like him because, because he lives in us. He comes to live in us. Yeah, and, and even Apostle Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Yes. 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 And this word ambassadors in verse 20, the Passion Translation has a footnote on it. It says to be ambassadors for Christ means that we are his diplomatic agents of the highest rank sent to represent King Jesus and authorized to speak on his behalf. We are the voice of heaven to the earth. We are the voice of heaven to the earth invested with royal power through the name of Jesus and the authority of his blood. Hallelujah. That blood that squirted, for the blood. that blood that spurted, that blood that came out as a mist, sprinkling the nations, sprinkling the nations, sprinkling mm. the nations. That's what we are carrying. We're carrying yeah. that word of reconciliation. That's why he did what he did to reconcile us to our Father. We declare this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive this power. Receive this authority. Yes. Receive this impartation of intercession, new and fresh. Receive this thing that God is giving right now to carry us into this global outpouring of his spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Mm -hmm.